Hey, this is Lori from Hike, sharing stories to inspire us to explore, wander, and live. Have you ever walked among the giant sequoias? It's always been a wish of mine to wander among some of the world's biggest trees. You know, I've always admired big trees, and I just moved into a house that's on a city park, and my office windows face a soccer field that's dotted with a few old growth trees. Trees with gnarled limbs and bark, tree limbs that must span a hundred or more feet across, and trees that beg to be climbed with perches to rest on. So seeing the sequoias has always been on my bucket list. I thought I would actually get to Redwood National Forest first, but luck would have it that I found myself outside of LA and able to go to Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Parks. While many people might save up vacation time or have enough to take a week and spend it inside a park, that's not really what fits my life right now. So basically, I had a couple days. And a couple days, when you think about it, is it really worth it to try and cram as much of the park as possible into? And I would say, yes. You can do an enjoyable experience with a couple of days, and I'm going to tell you about my experience. So this episode takes you along with me for two and a half days of exploring, camping, and looking up in awe at trees that are over 2,000 years old. Trees that have had generations of families of Native Americans gathering around them. Time marches on, but these giants still stand tall. And visiting Sequoia National Park in Kings Canyon is is so much more than just visiting the giant groves. And honestly, you can pack a lot into a couple of days. The first day was traveling into the park and setting up camp. I left uh, mid-morning because I knew the drive would be uh, close to five or six hours. And I wanted to be able to get to my campsite with plenty of daylight time. I drove in from Visalia and heading through Three Rivers, and you go through a lot of foothills. But believe me, I was anxiously anticipating the moment when I'd finally see the tall trees. I have to say, the highway pass um, Potwisha campground was super curvy. Actually, if you have a vehicle over 22 feet long or with trailers, it's not recommended that you use the road. Um from Potwisha. So once you drive it, you'll definitely figure out why. And as you crawl out of those foothills, you'll begin to anticipate what's to come. But let's take a moment back and talk about getting into the park itself. So I crossed over the Sequoia Park boundary at the Ash Mountain entrance. And that's where I picked up my map. And just make sure that you take care of it because Um, only one per car is given. And it's also likely you won't have cell service in the park or you'll get limited service in specific areas. So you're going to want to have a paper map with you or download some maps onto your phone. However, just so you know, at many of the visitor centers, there's complimentary Wi-Fi. So the first visitor center I got to was the Foothills Visitor Center. Besides a photo op of the National Park sign, which is pretty cool, you might want to check in, um, ask questions, and for anyone who might want to visit Crystal Cave, 
I'll go ahead and put a link to that in my show notes so you know a little more about it. I didn't get to go see it, but definitely think it's interesting. Um, if you didn't get your tickets ahead of time, and that's highly recommended, you can find out if their spot's open. So that's one of the must-do things when you get to the Foothills Visitor Center. So when you drive through and on General's Highway, there's this turn, you know, where all of a sudden you're there. Uh, you're among the giants. It's that say out loud, stop the car. I need to get out and walk. And then he realized, well, for me, I was the one driving and I was all by myself. Lucky uh, for me, though, there's a lot of pull-offs around the area of the uh, Giants and along General's Highway for you to get out um, and marvel at the ancient trees where you can crane your neck and look up and up. And to wander on, I think it's over 40 miles of trails in Sequoia Groves. And you see trees that are well over 200 feet tall um, and over 20 feet or more at the base in diameter. You can see a tree like the world's largest tree by volume, the General Sherman tree. And along the way uh, through uh, General's Highway, I drove past turnouts for some of the most famous tourist spots for visitors. Um, like Morrow Rock, Tunnel Log, the Giant Forest Museum, and the General Sherman Tree. And some of those I'll actually get back to a little later in this episode. However, I was trying to make it to my campground to set up my tent and get situated before it was too late in the day. So I took my photo op with the giant sequoias and got back in my car and headed to Lodgepole Campground. So I decided to stay my first night at Lodgepole Campground because it's a great base for exploring the giant forest area of Sequoia National Park. Um, But one of the other things about it, it's also, it's pretty crowded. It's like a small city. There are over 200 campsites and it has full facilities such as a camp store, post office, even showers and laundry service. Um, I lucked out. I did secure what I felt was a more private site where I truly did feel like I was on the edge of the wilderness. Also, from Lodgepole, some great trails can be accessed from that location. Setting up my tent was actually not so bad. And if you listen to my tips for solo camping episode, I get into more detail about the whole camping experience, including prepping for it. And so after... Getting set up, I decided to head to the Sherman Tree Trail. This trail leads to the largest tree in the world by volume, the General Sherman Tree. While many people make a beeline to the General Sherman Tree and then head back out, I'm going to give you a couple reasons to branch out a bit. First, um, you should know the trail is paved, um, and it's about a half mile down to the General Sherman Tree. However, there's lots of exhibits along the way that explain the natural history of the giant sequoias. And since the walk back to the car is all uphill, you might want to save some of that for breaking up your return trip. A quick tip, if you're looking for a more serene route to the trail, you can use the Lodgepole General Sherman Tree Trail. So that's going to give you um, about three miles uh, travel from the trailhead into the giant forest and you'll definitely have more solitude on your journey. 
So on the Sherman tree trail, there's definitely more to see than just the general Sherman tree. One of my favorites was actually the tough twins. And those were two trees that had fire damage at the base. And uh, you can take a, a photograph in between them. Um, another thing to think about when you're on this trail is just acclimating to the elevation. This trail is at 7,000 feet. Um, so the air is a little thinner than what you might be used to. I decided to leave the crowds behind though and explore the adjoining Congress trail, which is also a paved loop trail. It's a pretty quiet trail overall, at least on the day that I was there. And if you're like me and seek out solitude in nature, I definitely do look for ways to get away from the crowds. You'll find that this trail gives you a little more of that experience. So even in a busy park like Sequoia, there are ways to do this. So after I walked a bit on the Congress Trail, um, headed back um, up to the car, and then I went back to camp and decided to scout out a couple of the trailheads that are located centrally at Lodge Bowl Campground. So there's a couple of um, trailheads. There's Twin Lakes and Topoca Fall Trails. Twin Lakes is about a seven mile one way hike and Topoca Falls about two miles one way. So given that I wanted to have some opportunity to explore a few other places um, this next day, I settled on Topoca Falls. And then I lingered for a moment at the very, very beautiful marble fork of the Kawea River. It was during golden hour. Um, so just a beautiful, um, time to sit and reflect a little bit um, on the bridge, looking down at the river. And then I walked back to my campsite, which was campsite 172, to settle in for the evening. I planned for an early wake up to hit the trail right at the morning light. Well, I didn't sleep too well that night. And at 7,000 feet, it was pretty chilly. I ended up sleeping in my hat, some base layers, and even my puffy. And it was also my first time ever camping on my own, so, you know, there was a little bit of nervousness along with that. But in the morning, I was up and I was ready to go. So my morning had coffee in store, some oatmeal, and a few snacks packed away into my backpack for along the way. Along with, of course, my 10 essentials. And I realized that even with a lack of good sleep, I felt more well-rested than I had in a very long time. And there weren't many other campers stirring at six in the morning. And I honestly loved the idea of having the trail to myself on this crisp late June morning in the Sierra Nevada. So a little bit about Topoca Falls. Um, the trailhead actually says it's a 1.7 mile track one way, and online, I've read that it's a 4.2 mile round trip, but my GPS um, actually tracked it close to five. Um, Topoca Falls is uh, the tallest waterfall in Sequoia National Park. It's 1,200 feet. Um, it's not a free-falling waterfall, but more like a series of cascades. So on the trail, um, it follows the marble fork of the Kawea River for a little bit, and you'll see some campsites along the other side. 
The trail goes through a forest of tall pines and some very pretty meadows. And there were these gorgeous pink wildflowers carpeting the floor of the forest. The river um, that you're walking alongside, it flows over large rocks and boulders. Again, the river was flowing very swift um, with all the snow melt. And a little less than half hour into my hike, the Watchtower Peak rises up above 1,600 feet above the valley. And it's really a striking view. And I have a link to my photo album in the show notes, and you'll see some of those photos that I took. Prepare for a few small stream crossings um, before you get to the falls. And you'll also exit the woods and come into an exposed and kind of a jagged boulder-filled section of the trail, which leads uh, to the base of the the falls itself. You'll see some wildlife. Um, I've heard of people seeing bear and deer, but, you know, I just saw some marmots (laughs) along this section of the trail. Um, From an elevation gain perspective, there's close to 600 feet of elevation gain through this hike. During spring and early summer, there's going to be a lot more water flow in the falls than later in the year, so keep that in mind. And something, you know, that really popped into my head of, you know, there's this huge contrast between the giant sequoias that I just visited the night before and this trail, which was, you know, um, in a glacier-carved granite canyon with alpine meadows and pine woods. So... Actually, what I learned later is it was giving me a taste of what was yet to come in Kings Canyon. Uh, Also, while this trail is in a busy campground, um, it's not as busy as the General Sherman Tree Trail, but you're definitely going to have other people along with you. I lucked out going so early that I was alone on the trail. I enjoyed the views, I enjoyed the solitude. After spending some time admiring the falls, I headed back to the campground. And again, this trail is just out and back, so I headed back the way I came. I ended up breaking down my tent, packing up, and then hitting the General's Highway to find my way to Kings Canyon. Actually, I was headed to the very end of the road. Road's end. Something to keep in mind is that the drive um, is not a short one. So the drive to Kings Canyon from Lodgepole will take you first into Sequoia National Forest, then into Kings Canyon, back into the National Forest, and then back into Kings Canyon again. And along that drive, there are some gorgeous vistas, some pristine meadows, trails, um, and campgrounds, and a whole bunch of change in elevation On my agenda for the day was checking out the Grant Grove Village and the General Grant Tree. It took me a couple of hours to actually get to General Grant Grove, where the third largest tree is. Uh, A little bit about that trail. The trail is less than a mile, and unlike the General Sherman Trail, there's little change in elevation. But you can pick up um, a trail guide for buck fifty at the trailhead, And what's neat about this, it leads you through a guided hike with information um, on 15 numbered stops. What's cool about this hike is you get to actually walk through a fallen monarch. Be sure also to take the entire loop around the General Grant tree so you can see the fire scars. 
actually have a photo um, in my album. You'll see uh, that as well. And also on the trail, you can view a reconstructed cabin originally built in 1872 by the Gamlin family. And I think probably one of what I found most interesting part of this hike was viewing the centennial stump. It was a sequoia that was cut down. Um, a 16-foot section was reconstructed for the 1876 Philadelphia Centennial Exhibition. So it was kind of sad, you know, knowing that they cut down this tree to take it for that. But another, uh, you know, feature among uh, many on this trail is the twin sisters. You'll see uh, two sequoias fused together, which is actually, you know, kind of popular to have the double sequoias in the grove. So, um, but still a very neat sight to see. Uh, Again, this trail isn't difficult, but it's popular. So prepare to be among the crowds. Now, after leaving uh, Grant's Grove and, you know, heading on my way to uh, Sentinel Campground where I was staying that next night, I have to say that this drive was probably one of the most beautiful, the most scenic I've ever been on. It took me another hour and a half to get back to the Kings Canyon National Park border and signage, um, dropping over 3,000 elevation feet along the way. Also, you'll um, at some points be driving right along the mighty South Fork of the Kings River, and it is one of the most awe-inspiring and powerful rivers I have ever seen. And then, you know, just the whole experience, you know, there's sheer cliffs and jagged mountains rising up. It truly is a jaw-dropping drive and a little nerve-wracking Um, if driving amongst, um, heights does freak you out a bit, this might be a little much for you. Um, make sure to keep your eyes on the road. Um, you might just see a mule deer and have to avoid some fallen rocks like I did. So I made, you know, of course, a few stops for photos, but I finally did get to Sentinel Campground a little bit after four that day. You know, camping here was definitely not as private as a lodgepole site, but I figured, you know, nonetheless, overall, it was a decent spot. And after setting up camp, um, which I might add was getting quicker for me, I decided to head down to Zumwalt Meadow. Zumwalt Meadow is one of the very few large areas of flat land in Kings Canyon. And it was formed by the accumulation of sediment behind the terminal moraine of a retreating glacier. So... It's really beautiful meadow and um, you can hike around it. So I went to the Zumwalt Meadow Trailhead and when I got there, I found that uh, part of the trail was closed. So an alternate route was suggested. Um, Actually, half of the loop trail was closed due to flooding. So again, it's been, you know, it was a high snow year and a lot of flooding even, you know, into late June. So a sign there instructed me to go to Road's End, um, take the river trail to um, what's, you know, the Red Bridge and then turn right and you follow the river downstream. And at the loop junction, you keep left and you see some great views. And then it told me, turn around when you hit water. (laughs) So um, even more so than uh, Topoca Falls, 
I truly felt like that I was really in the wild when I got to Zumwalt Meadow in, in, in Kings Canyon. Uh, the trailhead itself was packed with a lot of cars, but I think a lot of those were likely for uh, Road's End itself, where you can um, go to Miss Falls and you can also get some backcountry permits and uh, head out onto a, a backcountry trip. For much of my hike, I was alone, maybe saying less than a dozen other hikers. The views were absolutely incredible. We had strewn boulders, rocky outcrops, and rising granite all around a gorgeous meadow right smack in the middle. I finally came to the trail close sign, and then I turned around, still taking my time to marvel at the views of the Sierra front country. The hike um, was around two miles, uh, maybe two and a half, and it took me about um, a little less than an hour and a half with lots of stops for photos, a lot of, you know, taking in the views. And that day, the skies were the striking blue. It was just a gorgeous, gorgeous day. So the hike overall is is not too challenging except for some rocky parts. So make sure to watch your footing. So after Zumwalt Meadow, I decided to, you know, drive back uh, to Grants Grove, actually, to get some cell service and a few souvenirs. And along the way, just about three miles out from Cedar Grove, I pulled off at Grizzly Falls. It's right off uh, Kings Canyon Byway. Grizzly Falls is a really nice spot because it has a little picnic area and it's a very, very short walk to the falls. If you come during peak snow melt, you're going to have a thunderous wall of water and mist coming off of it. And, you know, that's when I went and it was pretty spectacular. The mist was refreshing. It was cool on my skin. And it was just a nice spot to take a break before a long drive through the canyon and into Grant Grove Village. Um, and then, you know, following the South Fork of Kings River for a ways, there's a couple of spots along the river to pull off. Um, actually, in the National Forest, there's some spots right there at the river you could camp. It's just really a lot of opportunity there to enjoy um, the, you know, the river. On the way out, I stopped for my photo op with the Kings Canyon National Park sign. So after, you know, getting some souvenirs, um, getting, you know, something to drink, came back to Sentinel Campground, um, hit the, you know, the sleeping pad early because the next morning I knew I was going to be up early and ready to hit the trail. So on my way, um, out, I stopped to marvel at Horseshoe Bend. There's just so many places to pull off along Kings Canyon Byway, um, and I rarely saw many other people on the road. That section of the park is so much um, less populated, and um, you know, than Sequoia National Park. So, if being away from crowds is important to you, um, if being more in a wilderness setting is essential to your experience you'll really want to focus your time on this area of both parks. Um, I encourage you to take time to read the placards and informational signage along the pullouts where you can learn more about the geology of how Kings Canyon was formed. You'll also see these beautiful wildflowers that are hugging the roadside and even sprouting out uh, from the cliffside uh, slabs of rock. 
I'm growing in places that seem quite impossible to grow. I did another short hike, um, actually a Buena Vista Trailhead to Buena Vista Peak. Uh, this is a really, really cool hike. I definitely recommend it. There were just a couple other cars at the trailhead when I arrived, and that was around 9 a.m. Buena Vista Trail is a two mile out and back, but it gives you these incredible panoramic views from the summit. The short hike goes through a mixed conifer forest, and it's really not too difficult, and it rewards you with views of Redwood Canyon, Sierra Crest Summits, and Kings Canyon High Country. And wildflowers are so abundant. So you have these vibrant hues of pink and orange dotting the way as I rose from lush green to the granite summit area. So after a little break at the summit to have a snack and just appreciate the solitude of having it to myself, I came back to the car and then drove out of Kings Canyon and back to Sequoia National Park and back to the crowds. So speaking of a couple of hours later, I was in the midst of a very crowded vicinity of Giant Forest Museum. Um, I decided to skip the museum. Um, It's definitely on a future to-do list. But from that location, um, I decided to drive up to Crescent Meadow, which took me through, you know, a paved uh, road, Crescent Meadow Road, um, which also takes you to uh, the trail for Murrow Rock. Um, That was another one I wasn't able to go to, but again, something that is on my to-do list. But along the way, I stopped at what is the auto log. It's a log that fell in 1917, ended up being a tourist attraction where cars actually drove on it. It's not safe for cars now, but you can walk on it. Um, However, my final destination this afternoon was Crescent Meadow, which um, John Muir once called a gem of the Sierras. Crescent Meadow is also the starting point for the High Sierra Trail, a route from the giant forest to Mount Whitney and one of the most striking backcountry trails in the country. The trail was built between 1928 and 1932. There's some very cool documentaries out there, so I encourage you to search um, about information, and I'll put a couple of links out in my show notes. The trail joins the Pacific Crest Trail and the John Muir Trails along the way. If you do want to hike the High Sierra Trail um, and do overnight, you'll need to get a wilderness permit. So at that point, you know, I read the information about it that's posted and I took a photo of the trail marker and made my mental note that this trail is going on my hiking bucket list. I meandered along the trail circling Crescent Meadow, Log Meadow, and made a stop at Tharps Log. Tharps Log is a fallen sequoia that was actually a home to hail Tharp. You can peer into it, you can see the table, the bed, the rest of his living quarters, and as you make your way through the forest, There are plenty of giant sequoias uh, surrounding you, including one to explore. Um, It's the hollowed out chimney tree. The meadow itself isn't open to hikers. Um, You need to um, not walk on it. It's very fragile, but you can sit along the edge and you can, you know, take in and 
you know, the views and the lush green grasses. You also, from Crescent Meadow Trailhead, you can do a longer five mile round trip hike from um, there to the General Sherman Tree. So that's an option. You can also take it one way and get a shuttle back. So definitely um, some different ways to see the giants and and break up your trip a little bit. After, you know, leaving uh, Crescent Meadow, I decided to do the tourist thing and I drove my car through the tunnel log. The tunnel log is a fallen sequoia um, where a tunnel was cut through in 1937. So you can drive your car through it. I have to admit, I felt like a little kid. Um, it was really fun. Um, but at that point, it was mid-afternoon and it was time to leave Sequoia National Park and head back to L.A. And at that time, you know, I'm leaving. I was a little wistful, a little bit tired and, you know, just overall happy. This was my first time seeing a giant sequoia and my first time camping solo. While I didn't get to do long mileage hikes, I got a chance to explore both parks and I truly enjoyed that experience. Also, I made a mental note of what I wanted to explore on my next visit and the next visit after that. Because Sequoia and Kings Canyon... I will be back, and hopefully my boots will be on the High Sierra Trail next summer. Thanks for listening to me share my experience of visiting Sequoia National Park and Kings Canyon National Park. I would love to hear from you. Have you walked through the giant forest? Have you laughed like a little kid um, when you went through the tunnel log? What did you enjoy about these two national parks? Drop me a comment on my social media. Send me an email. Um, would love to hear from you. And share this episode with a friend who might want to have their own Sierra Nevada adventure. Until next time, see you on the trail. Trail, 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 trail